from the Cyber Hub Bunker and Studio. You're tuning in to the Cyber Hub Podcast. And now for your host and CISO, James Azar. Well, here we are. It's Monday morning and good morning, everyone. Thank you for tuning in to the Cyber Hub Podcast. I hope you had an amazing, amazing weekend. I'm pre-recording the show. The show is airing at 9 a.m. Eastern like it always does. I'm pre-recording it the night before, and I do apologize. I'll be airborne when the show airs, so I'll be monitoring the feed uh, while on a jet plane uh, flying to our nation's capital. So uh, a busy, busy uh, weekend, a lot going on from Friday to Sunday night here when I'm prepping for the show. Let's go ahead and get into what's happening. But before we do that, thank you for tuning in this morning. Thank you for taking out that time to be part of the program and the show and part of our awesome community here at CyberHub Podcast. We've got a lot great a bunch of great things coming your way, uh, including on our Substack, jamesazar.substack.com. You can go check out a lot of exclusive content there. Now, join me for our double espresso coffee cup cheers. I've got a single in here because it is Sunday night and I do got to get some sleep tonight. Coffee cup cheers, y'all. Nothing better like an espresso. Like, no matter when, right? No matter when. All right, so let's go ahead and get started with CISA essentially letting any federal agency know you have until midnight Friday to disconnect Ivanti's Connect Secure product or policy secure devices from your network. This is coming after CISA saying that the vulnerable devices are being targeted by espionage operations linked to China. CISA has warned that the vulnerable Ivanti devices were subject to widespread exploitations of vulnerabilities by multiple threat actors. Ivanti had a challenge. We discussed this uh, over on the show last week. They've had a bunch of challenges actually releasing the patch on time. When they released the patch, they found more exploits. Those exploits all had already uh, been been taken advantage of in the wild. So there's a whole slew of activity happening around Ivanti. Sissa made the call to say, cut it out. <laughs> and And so that's been the case uh the directive appeared to be aimed at definitively cutting off avanti devices as a way to target the government these guys have been avanti has been at the forefront of this for quite some time y'all like some some significant time that they've had to deal with this so nonetheless uh it's it's great that we're seeing uh sisa finally take some action uh there's some remediation that's been issued by avanti but the company did not respond to any comment on thursday or friday they haven't given any statements since this I said take it offline. Um, so we'll see how they recover from this one because it's it's a significant blow when the cybersecurity infrastructure security agency says to all federal agencies that have your device, take it offline now. Don't wait, not today, not tomorrow, not in three weeks. Now you know you have a problem. We'll see if they're able to recover from this one. Um the nine lives of Avanti may be coming to a untimely end. Popular uh, software AnyDesk has now confirmed that they suffered a cyber attack that allowed attackers to gain access to the company's production systems. Bleeping Computer learned that the source code and private code signing keys were also stolen during the attack. Uh, AnyDesk, for many who don't know, and you may not use it, but your MSP or MSSP might, is a remote access solution allowing users to remotely access computers over a network or the internet. 
It's really, really popular. The software is also popular among threat actors as well as scammers who use it in order to take uh, over devices of their victims. The company reports having over 170,000 customers, and thanks to their website, you know who they are, like 7-Eleven, Comcast, Samsung, MIT, NVIDIA, Siemens, and the worthless United Nations. In a statement shared with Bleeping Computer on Friday afternoon, AnyDesk says that they first learned of the attack after detecting indications of an incident in their production environment. They conducted a security audit, determined their systems were compromised, activated their response plan with the help of CrowdStrike. AnyDesk didn't share details on whether data was stolen during the attack, but they learned the threat actors did steal source code and code signing certificates. The company also confirmed ransomware was not involved, so this was purely espionage-related. Get in, find vulnerabilities, find ways to take advantage of it, use it in order to perpetrate an incident to go in. Think solar winds, and that's what you have here. Uh, AnyDesk says the situation is under control. It's safe to use AnyDesk, but do you feel confident? That's the question. The company's already started uh, replacing the stolen code signing certificates. Um, they're reporting that a new certificate in AnyDesk version 8.0.8 was released on January 29th. The only listing change in the new version is they switched to a new code signing certificate and they'll be revoking the old one soon. So that's something there. But the question is, what did they find in the source code and in their production environment that could potentially give them persistence, even stuff you can't find in the logs? Last week, we talked a little bit about this. Threat actors get in and they hide. They don't do anything. And so you're auditing, you're doing your forensics, you find nothing. You go, there's nothing here. We're in the clear. And the moment you pull your guys out, it's Ocean's Eleven, right? It's 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 money's already been out the door, but they're still in your safe. They're waiting for more money to come in. And once more money, and, and, and essentially, once you return to normal activity, they turn back on. And at that point, um, you think you're in the clear. And the CISO and the security team and everyone else reports to the board, reports to stakeholders, reports to everyone. We're in the clear. And that's just not the case at all. Cyber attacks have financial consequences to organizations. I say that because two quarterly earning reports filed this week with the SEC illustrate the financial impact of ransomware and cyber incidents have on the company's bottom lines. Those two companies, Clorox and Johnson Controls. So Clorox explained in their earnings report that over the last six months, the company suffered a 6% lower sales volume due to the decrease in shipments caused by their cyber attack in August that crippled their manufacturing. Meanwhile, technology and industrial business multinational Johnson Controls reported the cyber incident in September cost them nearly $27 million all in all. That doesn't include potential uh, cyber insurance payouts, which may cover a substantial portion of the cost. The company also expects to incur additional expenses through 2024 of this year, including legal and everything else that comes with it. The $27 million ex uh, include third-party expenditures, IT recovery and forensic experts, and other performing professional services to investigate and remediate the incident. You notice something that isn't on here, business operations. How did it impact your business operations? Did you have layoffs? Did you lose sales? What's your year-over-year -year look like, right? Like, what's your EBITDA look like? All of those matter. They're kind of saying, like, we... 
we incurred 27 million that figure is a lot higher they just twist it in a way to make it so that it doesn't seem like that so clorox on their end again six percent loss in 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 sales that impacted stock price uh it impacted investability and the rating of the company uh the final notes that the Clorox didn't receive an insurance payment either to cover their attack. So wonder why not there. That's one that's worthy of investigating for those who have a few more <laughs> minutes on their schedule to look into it. The government on Friday announced sanctions against six Iranian government officials caught launching cyber attacks against Israeli PLC vendor Unitronics and targeting U.S. water systems. The Treasury said the six officials of the Iranian Islamic Revolutionary Guard Corps Cyber Electronic Command, a Tehran organization, is uh, behind it. The sanctions uh, include Iranian government officials Hamid Raza Langarian, Mahdi Langarian, Hamid Humayunfal, uh, Milad Mansouri, Muhammad Bakir, uh, Shrinkar and Reza Mohammed Amin Sibrian are all senior officials of the IRGC SEC. I hear Iraq's a great place to visit nowadays. Someone want to invite these guys to a cybersecurity conference in Iran? Uh, sorry, in Iraq. Um, I know our drones do magnificent work there. Industrial control devices such as uh, PLCs are used in water, other critical infrastructure. So this is kind of a warning. It's it, it means nothing. These guys aren't going to leave Iran uh, just because they're sanctioned. They don't have anything outside of Iran. I mean, it's kind of like, oh, we're holding you accountable. This is the uh, President Obama's, uh, he, he had something called name and shame, which was the most ineffective thing you could ever do. They'll be so embarrassed that we put their names on posters and we sanction them. And no, they're not. That's a badge of honor that they wear in their country. We clearly don't understand our enemies. Clearly don't understand our enemies. We, we, we have some significant training to do in the Department of Justice and Treasury and others to clearly understand that this is a badge of honor for these six individuals. Badge of honor. They'll wear it. They'll be remembered forever for it. A nation-state actor used Okta's stolen credentials in a Thanksgiving Day attack targeting Cloudflare. This is coming from a blog post published Thursday afternoon by Cloudflare CEO Matthew Prince and, um, and others said that the company detected a Thanksgiving Day on Thanksgiving Day a threat actor on its self-hosted Altesian server. The security team immediately began an investigation, cut off the access, and on Sunday, they brought in CrowdStrike's forensic team to perform their own independent analysis. The CrowdStrike team, which uh, completes an investigation which was completed Wednesday, found that the threat actors did reconnaissance from November 14th to the 17th, accessed several internal systems, including the internal wiki and the bug database. The hackers came back on the 20th and 21st, gaining access to Cloudflare source code management systems. They attempted to access other systems using access token and service account credentials that were stolen during the October breach at Okta. All of the access to Cloudflare systems was shut off on November 24th. Even though they understand the operational impact of the incident to be extremely limited, they took this extremely seriously, according to Prince. Um, and so we see that there. But again, they target Okta, they target identity providers like Microsoft because that's a way to get in and establish persistence. Good, good for the transparency here. Good for the blog post. 
Okta obviously is a uh, a significant target. I think they understand that the target is on their back, and and we're now learning more and more about some of those actions. Mastodon, a free open source decentralized social networking platform, fixed a critical vulnerability that allowed attackers to impersonate and take over any remote account. The platform became popular after uh, Elon Musk acquired t- Twitter, uh, now X, and boasts nearly 12 million users across 11,000 uh, instances, um, kind of like interconnected systems or federations is, is how this works. CVE 2024-23832 stems from an insufficient origin validation in Mastodon, allowing attackers to impersonate users and take over their, their account. The vulnerability is rated 9.4 in the CVSS and impacts all versions before 3.5.17, 4.0.13, 4.1.13, and 4.2.5. Uh, the application is fairly popular among cybersecurity professionals, so you want to make sure you get into the right version so no one can take over your account remotely. And finally, other news with Okta, Proofpoint, and Netography, uh, some layoffs for some of our peers here. Okta has said that in their SEC filing, they re- have implemented a restructuring plan that is laying off 400 FTEs, full-time employees at the company. That represents about a 7% cut of their workforce. Uh, Proofpoint, a private equity-owned email security vendor, also announced layoffs affecting 280 positions globally, uh, including their location in Israel. Um, and U.S. network uh, security startup Netography uh, also shaved staff, including their marketing team. All in all, uh, some 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 rough stuff going there. If you know any of the people impacted, you can definitely tag them here. We'll go to their profile. We'll share it. We'll comment. We'll make sure that. You know, people understand that there's some talent out there looking for work and that they can absolutely reach out to that talent. That's it for our show this morning. We'll be back tomorrow, 9 a.m. Eastern with all the latest and greatest. Thank you so much for tuning in. Please make sure to subscribe. Follow us on your favorite podcast listening platform. Give us a five-star rating when you can. Till then, have a great rest of your day. And most importantly, stay cyber safe. We love feedback, so make sure to connect with us on social media and subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast listening platform.